Shalom, Mishpocha. Welcome to this latest broadcast of Arkadima Talk, When the Leader Speaks. I'm going to cover a lot of ground in this because there's a lot behind it and a lot happening in our world today that speaks directly to this. But I want to start in 1 Kings 18, starting at verse 30. Then Eliyahu, Elijah, said to all the people, come here to me. And all the people come up to him, and as he said about repairing the altar of Adonai that had been broken down, Eliyahu took 12 stones in keeping with the number of tribes of the sons of Yachov, to whom the word of Adonai had come, saying, Your name is to be Israel. Verse 32, with the stones he built an altar in the name of Adonai. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough for a half a bushel of grain. He arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and laid it on the wood. Then he said, Fill four pots with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And they did it. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he said, and they did it a third time. By now the water was flowing around the altar, and it had filled the trench. Then when it came time for the offering, the evening offering, Eliyahu, the prophet, approached and said, Adonai, God of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things, at your word. Verse 37 says, Hear me, Adonai, hear me, so that this people may know that you, Adonai, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back to you. Then the fire of Adonai fell. It consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and it licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, Adonai is God, Adonai is God. Eliyahu said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, and don't let them escape. They seized them, and Eliyahu brought them down to Vadikishon and killed them there. So as many of you remember, and this is one of my favorite stories uh, from 1 Kings 18, when Elijah is challenging the priest of Baal. Now, this is Baal. This is Jezebel, which means priestess of Baal, and the people that apostatize from God. But yet when Elijah spoke, the people jumped. They did what he asked. But what is even more amazing is that by the time all the theatrics and the challenges had come, and this is why I love this, because he taunts the priests of Baal all day long. They're cutting themselves. They're trying to invoke fire to come down and consume their sacrifice. And he's taunting them. He said, you know, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe your God's on the potty. And and the more they became frenzied and the more they were cutting themselves, the less it happened. And we see when Elijah speaks, is very calm and collective. And he says, let it be known this day, Adonai, that you are God. There is a God in Israel and that I'm your servant. And fire came and consumed everything, the water, the sacrifices, the sands, everything. But what's amazing here is that by the time all the theatrics and the challenges had come to a peak, at the end of the day, Elijah approached Adonai. And he said, Adonai, God of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, Adonai, hear me, so that this people may know that you, Adonai, are God, and that you're turning their hearts back to you. See, the people had apostatized from God. They had rebelled. In fact, what are they doing here? But they're doing Baal worship in Israel, in the northern kingdom. Just prior to this, in verse 21, Eliyahu stepped forward, uh, before all the people and said, how long are you going to jump back and forth between two positions? If Adonai is God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So how did Elijah gain the ear 
of the people who heard his voice. How do you or I get their ear? How do we do this in ministry? How do we get people to come to the congregation, new people to come? How do you do it in your business? How do you get the word out? How do you grow and expand what you're doing? Well, we have the same even distinct situation in our own nation today. People are serving so many other things. They're so distracted. They're apostatized from God. How do we get the people today to hear our voice? How did Elijah do it? Well, let's go over some points. First, he had courage. He was willing to stand alone for God. In verse 22, Eliyahu said to the people, I, I alone am the only prophet of Adonai who was left while Baal's prophets number 450. Elijah was willing to stand alone for God. Talk about being outnumbered. He's in the enemy's camp. He's the only one before all these people serving God. He had great courage and was willing to stand alone for God in the face of great adversity. Number two, had great conviction in verse 24. He said, then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of Adonai. And the God who answers with fire, let him be God. And the people, they, they answered, good idea. They agreed. When he challenged them, not a word was said. But when he did this, the people answered, that's a good idea, agreed. Elijah had great passion. He had great trust. He had great conviction in who he served and that Adonai would act on his behalf. Number three, Elijah had great character. In verse 21, Eliyahu stepped forward before all the people and said, how long are you going to jump back and forth between two positions? If Adonai is God, follow him. If it's not Baal, then follow him. And again, this is where the people didn't, didn't answer with a word. But Elijah was honest and real in who he was. He had developed great character in his time alone with God. He told it like it is. He had great character in adversity, which, by the way, is the womb of character. That's where character is birthed and grows in the face of adversity. Number four, he had connection. Verse 30, Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. And all the people came up to him, as he said about repairing the altar of Adonai that had been broken down. He somehow mysteriously was able to draw the people to him and to God. I think it's because he spoke with great conviction and the people followed him because he was a leader. He spoke with the deutimous power of God. And when he spoke, they listened. Verse 5, he had credibility, verses 38 through 39. Then the fire of Adonai fell. It consumed a burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and it licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, Adonai is God, Adonai is God. Elijah gained the people's ear because he got results. Signs and wonders followed him. He just didn't talk the talk. He walked the walk, and the fire fell, and the fear of God fell upon the people. And so this is critical in our hour. You know, I saw a meme, I guess about a week ago, that someone said, well, you know, they thought uh, clergy or pastors or the people of God would lead us out of tyranny and bring us back to freedom. But instead, it was the truckers of Canada and the truckers of the U.S. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, I applaud what they're doing. I agree. Let freedom ring. Uh, but we never succumb to this. People are looking for leadership. And I've been saying this for two years in these Kadima talks through this pandemic. People are looking for godly, strong leadership. And that's why these Kadima talks we're doing are so critical, not just for ministry, not if you're a young pastor or a seasoned pastor or a young rabbi up and coming or a seasoned rabbi or seeking to get into ministry. It's if you've got a business, no matter what you do, many leaders in the community are strong business leaders who have strong ethics and morality and all that they do and serve God. 
So these things spread out to all areas in every aspect of our community, not just in ministry alone, because this entire earth belongs to God. We are his creation, and we need to redeem it all and bring it back into alignment with the kingdom. And so we see this as a perfect example because Elijah, as you know, he he, he runs from Jezebel. He thinks he's going to be the only one, and the Lord convicts him and says, hey, man, you know, I got thousands that haven't uh, bent their knee to Baal. And so we must stand up and stand strong with a stiff spine in these days of adversity and stand for the truth, to, to speak of Yeshua in spirit and in truth, to speak of Adonai in spirit and in truth, and to not allow our convictions to be swayed, to not allow the word to be prostituted, to conform to society, but to stand strong, to be creditable, to have conviction. Because when you walk in this manner, people will automatically follow you. Trust me, people are looking for strong leadership in these days. But we also have to pause because there's something that's seeking to undermine this and destroy it in our day. It continually seeks to undermine and destroy leaders. And what is that? It's the spirit of Jezebel, which is alive and well today. This whole story in 1 Kings 18 is about Jezebel. We are and have been for some time now experiencing a, a move, an awakening, an outpouring of God. And I shared this recently in a tour study. Here's, here's the bad news. It's kind of a litmus test. Whenever you're moving for the kingdom and, and, and you're, you're gaining victories, the enemy's always going to push back. There's always going to be a counterattack. And so one of the primary vessels, one of the primary areas of this is a spiritual attack, and it comes from the spirit of Jezebel. People are waiting for an earth-shattering global event, marking judgment, economic collapse, terrorist attacks, natural disasters. But I believe we're already in the shaking. The waters of judgment have been flowing like an incoming tide, but it's slow and methodical. It's been gradual, and people aren't noticing it. Like a foul smell, you don't know you're in it until you come out of it. And I think I've shared this story before, but as a 22-year submariner, we had a unique smell on board the ship, even though we were nuclear-powered. We had diesel fuel because we had an emergency diesel generator, and we had an amine, which was a chemical used for the removal of carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and had a unique smell. And when you're on the submarine, you couldn't smell it. But every time I would come home, Rabitzin would make me take my clothes off in the garage because it was a stench she couldn't stand. To this day, when I walk through the commissary, I can smell the submarine or three aisles before it gets to me because of that unique smell. And so, so it is, you know, with the smokers as well. For those who smoke, I'm an ex-smoker. But when you're smoking, you don't smell yourself. Until you quit smoking, I can tell a smoker miles away. Even if they, oh, I don't smoke. Well, you're around somebody that smokes because I can, I can smell it. And so it is with this. It's like a foul smell. You don't know you're in it until you come out of it. At the same time, God is and has been moving, and the power is slowly increasing within the body. The body is waking up regarding God's word and his kingdom, and we've begun moving in greater authority. But this hasn't gone unnoticed by the enemy. In 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 2, it says, The Spirit expressly states that in the Acheret Hayamim, in that time and season to come, some people will apostatize. Athistami in the Greek which means to revolt, to stand off, to stand aloof, to go away, to depart, to desert, to fall away, to shun, to withdraw oneself from, to apostatize, to keep oneself from the faith by paying attention to deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. The doctrine of demons, lying spirits, deceiving spirits. I've been in this realm now for a couple of months. Verse 2, such teachings come from the hypocrisy of liars, 
whose own consciences have been burned as if with a, a red-hot branding iron. This is both historical and topical. Whenever God moves, the enemy counter moves. The body of Messiah, corporations, even businesses have been overrun by deception, by deceitful people. The woke and cancel culture have their own anti-God agendas. It's already an apostasy. They shun, they draw away from, they depart, they apostatize from proper biblical authority and correct teaching because they are damaged, hurt, and in great need. And this is this is a key point I want you to take through uh, and have this on the forefront of your mind as we walk through this next series of information. The only thing that stops the spirit of Jezebel is true biblical authority. Jezebel will flee in the face of true biblical authority. Remember who got her? Jehu, who had an anointing directly from God to stand in the gap and to stop it. And so keep that in, in the forefront of your mind as, as we walk through this information, as we go through this Kadima. So those who are in apostasy, they shun away from, they depart uh, from true biblical authority, correct teaching, because they're damaged, they're hurt, they're in great need. Hurt people hurt people and are deceived by deceiving spirits. Scripture states this is an issue. In Revelation 2, starting at verse 19, the Lord says, I know what you're doing your love, your trust, your service, your perseverance. And I know that you're doing more now than before, but I have this against you. You continue to tolerate that Jezebel woman, the one who claims to be a prophet, but is teaching and deceiving my servants to commit sexual sin and to eat food that's been sacrificed to idols. Verse 21, I gave her time to turn from her sin, but she doesn't want to repent of her immorality. So I'm throwing her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her, I'm throwing into great trouble unless they turn from the sins connected with what she does. That's a searing mandate against our culture today. That God himself, our culture is tolerating Jezebel, even in the community of Messiah. It's being tolerated. But he says he has given her time to turn from her sin, but she doesn't want to repent. So he's going to throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I'm throwing into great trouble, he says, unless they turn from the sins connected with what she does. We often refer to the Jezebel spirit, which is misleading. The Jezebel affliction is a celestial power that has worldwide influence and power. Jezebel transcends geographical and cultural borders to collaborate with the evil principalities of an area to negatively affect people, nations, and the kingdom of God. Jezebel is a very present principality of the air, a demonic presence operating in a clandestine manner wherever the body through Messiah Yeshua is flourishing. Jezebel was the wife of Ahab, who was king of Israel from 871 B.C. to about 852 B.C. She was the daughter of Ethbaal, the king of Sidon. Jezebel worshipped a pagan god called Baal, and she helped to corrupt Israel with Baal idol worship. Jezebel was evil and influential. And it was actually this spirit operating through Queen Jezebel, which had caused over 10 million Israelites, all but 7,000 faithful souls, to bow their knee to Baal. Jezebel caused them to forsake the covenant, to destroy the sacred altars, to kill the prophets, and to worship Baal, 1 Kings 19, verses 14 through 18. Jezebel also introduced the worship of the goddess Ashtaroth to Israel. This god had represented in Canaanite culture by the moon, was a power-hungry goddess of love and sensuality. Jezebel was raised in this culture where sensuality and sexuality were a path to power and influence. 
The same spiritual affliction is at work today and growing stronger as we come closer to the arrival of the anti-Messiah before Yeshua's return. This spirit is a grave concern in our body, in our culture, in our nation, even in your businesses where God is moving as it is the primary insurgency weapon of the enemy. Remember Ephesians 6 verse 12, for we're not struggling against human beings, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the cosmic powers governing this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The Jezebel affliction is designed to operate like a computer virus to shut down the network and kill the host as well as anyone who does not disconnect from the host. So you see, Jezebel's primary target or congregations, any structured Bible group or study, or any business or corporation that's focused upon and centered upon the word of God and obey and seek his face. No congregation is too big, too healthy, or too pure to be exempt from an attack or an infestation of the Jezebel spirit. In fact, every congregation will test positive for the virus, and the greater the move of God, the greater the likelihood of an infestation. What do I mean by that? You know, it's interesting to note that your nose is designed with its nose hairs to filter out all these infections, to filter out MRSA, to filter out uh, various things that we could inhale and get sick with. And so commonly, before you go have an operation or you go to the hospital, they'll swipe your nose and take a culture to see if you're carrying any pathogens. And almost every time, you'll test positive. But your nose has done its service. It keeps it there and it doesn't get into your body. But if you scratch the inside of your nose, you've got a grave concern for infection because this is already housed in there. It's just waiting for a compromise to get into your body. So it is with Jezebel. It's here, Mishpocha. We don't have to wonder, geez, are we going to be attacked? No, it's an infection that's here. And it's just waiting for that break. It's waiting for that corruption to infect and stream in and bring destruction. The difference is whether the spirit will find a willing host and a full-blown Jezebel case emerges or an unsupportive host, which keeps the spirit in check. Now, I'm going to say this as a caveat here before we move forward, this is why it's critical to have strong leadership. If you don't stand your ground, if you don't take a stand against anything, any cancer, anything that raises it up, in a, the longer you tolerate something that's going wrong in the congregation, then the longer you're going to have an issue and you open yourself up for further infestations. Now, this can be a congregation. This can be your business. I know people don't like confrontation. However, the sooner you deal with an issue, no matter what it is, the safer you'll be and the more likely you'll keep yourself from a full-blown infestation of something else. So it requires action on our part, on your part as a leader, as a business owner, to do something about insurrection, to do something about rebellion, to do something about someone who's, who's you know, operating outside the confines of biblical morality and ethics and put a stop to it. Jezebel's ultimate goal is to divide and conquer, which means the death of a congregation, the death of a business. Yeshua taught a house divided cannot stand. An attack from Jezebel will always be directed at one of two sources. Number one, the prophetic. To gain control of Jezebel's spirit will wedge itself between established prophetic authority and the leader, the business owner, the rabbi, the pastor. The leader will be discredited through reason, partial facts, or even strong persuasive opinion. The strongest voice is not always the correct one. The loudest voice is not always the correct one. So critical in this cancel woke culture today. 
the person screaming the loudest is usually not the right person. The person affected with Jezebel would appear to have great spiritual insight and a facade of spirituality to authority and the congregation. The Welsh revival with Evans Robert over 100 years ago was ended when he married to Jezebel. She began writing documents, pamphlets, and books and signing his name to it, and it was heresy. It destroyed one of the greatest modern moves of God. So I, I can tell you, we as a congregation, we've experienced this recently, recently, trying to discredit leadership here through partial facts or opinion. This is gossip and slander, by the way. I'm just saying it in a little bit nicer way. And number two, so it either comes at the prophetic voice or the authority itself. Authority is attacked through initial innocent fellowship friendships by appearing religious. Jezebel gains confidence through a facade of genuineness while they're actually bringing corruption, disregard, disdain, division, gossip, slander, and confusion. James 3.16 says, For where there are jealousy and selfish ambition, there'll be disharmony and every foul practice. These two traits are appealing to weaker, less mature, even new believers within the body. Those operating under Jezebel's influence have a false facade of great, weighty, and significant spiritual insight concerning issues within the body, but they don't come to the rabbi or the pastor and share uh, with authority first, which is according to Scripture. These people, when they've got an issue, will gossip and slander and not come back to the correct source, according to Matthew 18, that Scripture outlines. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There can be a way which seems right to a person, but at its end are the ways of death. Study the prophets. When a word from the Lord came forth, they didn't share it among the people, causing division. They wrote it down. They went straight to the king, straight to the high priest. By sharing with others, they're building their own power base in order to cause a divide against leadership and build their own following. That's divisive. That's Jezebel's tactic to divide. Talking to others instead of coming to authority when these situations arise is rebellion, which is a sin of witchcraft. The spirit of Jezebel will be the first to point out problems with the body. Again, never sharing them with the rabbi, the pastor, the business owner. Rather, they speak of these things to other congregates, to other workers, to your team, building their own power base. Often they have the latest popular book, DVD, or CD, and will often quote from it, but will twist the words in teaching to conform to their own doctrine and agenda. They refuse to have accountability and will set their own doctrine and theology contrary to or even without the leader's knowledge. Second Peter 2 verses 1 through 3 says, But among the people there were also false prophets, just as there will be false teachers among you. Under false pretenses, they will introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and thus bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their debaucheries, and because of them, the true way will be maligned. In their greed, they will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their punishment decreed long ago under false pretenses they will introduce destructive heresies is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. This is an ongoing issue in the Messianic realm, in the greater body of Messiah that we must be cognizant of and stop. Many Christians, many believers, upon discovering the falsehood of Christmas, Easter, and other fabricated religions and traditions, swing far to the other side then come about denying the Messiah. In the middle is the truth. Yeshua is the divine son of God, and he came as a substitute sacrifice to wash away your sins and be known no more. Revelation 2, verse 20. But I have this against you. We're back to this again. To continue to tolerate that Jezebel woman, 
the one who claims to be a prophet but is teaching and deceiving my service to commit sexual sin. Pornuo in the Greek. Are you kidding me? To give oneself to unlawful sexual intercourse, to commit fornication, metaphor, to be given to idolatry, worship idols, permit oneself to be drawn away by another into idolatry. This is where the word pornography comes from. To commit sexual sin, pornography. What is pornography? It's video idolatry of naked men, of naked women, where it becomes worshipped. You know, it's insane to me. One of the biggest sites for this is Pornhub in Canada that used sexual exploitation in the sex slave trade underground movement that's all across this country, all across Canada, North America, around the world. It's interesting to me that although they know this, these governments won't shut down the funds, won't seize their bank accounts and shut them down. But a peaceful protest, they will immediately seize their bank accounts, shut off their bank accounts, take their personal property, even threatening to sell it now. Are you kidding me? This is this is Jezebel at work in our society today. Pornography is the key indicator of this, and it's rampant today. It's over a $2 trillion industry in this nation. And you know, why do cell phones get so big? I remember 20 years ago, everyone laughed because they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. You know why? Because web browsing telephones, the screens were too small for men to start viewing porn. So those phones got bigger and bigger and bigger so they could facilitate this idolatrous sexual immorality and get hooked on pornography. And unfortunately, it's not just men anymore. It's women as well, a clear sign of Jezebel. Jezebel often preys on new believers, the young and those who are struggling, acting as a mentor, mixing truths with partial truths that lure, telling each ears what they want to hear. It's the enemy within the camp. Jezebel affliction brings distraction, division, defilement, divisiveness, defeat, destruction, and death to the children of God. Jezebel seeks to undermine leadership, bring discredit, mischief, causing compromise of the congregation, making it ineffective and unable to combat the true enemy. This is all based upon deception. The Jezebel affliction has effectively destroyed revivals, congregations, marriages, businesses, lives, all because the deceiver interrupted the communication God wanted to give the congregation, the individual, their business, and bring instead deception and confusion as to what God's information really was. The spirit of Jezebel has... Numerous characteristics. Let's go over them here. Jezebel's outspoken and rebellious, which is spirit of witchcraft. Jezebel manipulates others to following free will, even when God does not do that. Jezebel will use the power and influence of others to accomplish her goals and control her environment. Again, Jezebel wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent them to the elders and nobles of the city. This is typical of Jezebel. That's what destroyed the Welsh revival sometimes remaining concealed in the background while manipulating situations and leaders. Jezebel always believes it to be a prophet. Remember Moses' sister and even Aaron? Does God only speak to Moshe? Doesn't he speak to us as well? Huh. Jezebel has a negative spirit of criticism, commonly points out faults or perceived faults of spiritual authority in a critical manner, speaking poorly of spiritual authority, which is an attempt to undermine the leadership, the authority through half-truths, outright lies, character assassination, again, gossip and slander. Jezebel seeks to establish relationship with influential people. Oh, have I experienced that so many times in the last 22 years that someone's here two or three months and immediately they start going right to all the leadership within the congregation. That always gets my radar on high alert. Something's not right. Jezebel will publicly humiliate her husband with her tongue. 
and thereafter control him through his fear of public embarrassment. This is also done when she's losing control. She'll do things to embarrass the counterpart. Jezebel often leads Bible studies or prayer meetings in their home away from and separate from the congregation. I'm not going to say that every Bible group or study is led by Jezebel. So hear me clearly. But I will tell you that over 90% of Bible groups or fellowship meetings that we've had in 22 years have been infected with Jezebel and they fall apart or have to be stopped because of, you guessed it, gossip, slander, divisiveness, and undermining the authority of the congregation. Jezebel commonly attacks and speaks out gossips and slanders the, the rabbi or the pastor's wife in an attempt to gain access to that rabbi or the pastor or, again, the business leader. The Jezebel's legalistic often sets rules that are all about people submitting to their preferences. They'll attempt to alter or even change the rules of group meetings or services. Jezebel does things in secret, is very prideful while angry and bitter about previous perceived wrongs that may be happening again at this congregation or your business or your place of employment. Jezebel does not see that they're manifesting the Jezebel spirit outside of a strong move of God in their life. So this is like pride. It's something everyone knows you have it but you. So they don't believe that they're manifesting the Jezebel spirit because they themselves are deceived. And so outside of true biblical authority, the only thing that can stop this is a profound move of God in their life, a radical road to Damascus encounter, a radical transformation by the power of God to knock the spirit out of them. Jezebel cannot remain in a healthy congregation. It will jump from congregation to congregation when unable to gain authority or control. We've experienced that firsthand many times over the last 22 years. In the end, the spirit of Jezebel confronts, challenges, intimidates, manipulates, and dominates leading people astray from legitimate spiritual authority and the truth of God's word and movement, causing congregations to split, moves of God to cease, businesses going bankrupt, and bring divisiveness to a body, family, relationships, or corporations. The Jezebel spirit operates through women who, because of a past hurt, insecurity, jealousy, or vanity, desire to dominate others and influence women who have faced the same. But this is not exclusive to women. Many a good leader have been destroyed by the Jezebel spirit. Many a good congregation has been torn apart by the Jezebel spirit. There are two important factors here to take note of. Jezebel requires a partner, an Ahab, who relinquishes his leadership or authority role to empower the Jezebel. The Jezebel spirit is not gender-specific. It can manifest a man. It isn't limited to women only. Symptoms of the Jezebel spirit in a man are naive when relating to women in an emotional or non-sexual format. It's this lack of discernment that allows Jezebel to gain her major inroad. Some form of sexual addiction. Here we go. We know this, right? Pornography, perversion, fantasy, immoral sex or sex habits. Easily, and again, we're talking about Jezebel in a man easily yields leadership role to a nurturing female figure, wife, mother, or girlfriend, makes decisions, defers to Jezebel that will please his Jezebelian stand-in, mistakes emotional pity for genuine love. Why else would one fall in love with a Jezebel, controlled personality, seeking to destroy and hinder God's work of discipleship to him? We call this the Messiah complex. This guy's going to come in He's, he's got emotional pity on this person. He's going to come in and save the day, but it's not genuine love. What it is is a Jezebel trap. And unfortunately, I've seen this many, many times, not just in the last 22 years of ministry, but in 22 years of naval service. I've witnessed and experienced this again and again and again. We're moving even deeper into an awakening, a move of God to revival. And we know it's coming close to that shofar signing and Yeshua returning. 
So the enemy will employ, and in many cases already has, this tactic to destroy or attempt to destroy what God is doing. And here's a modern-day example. Few operate in the Jezebel spirit, but many facilitate it. If you receive a phone call, an email, you're involved in a conversation with someone, even uh, you know social media, IG, uh, Facebook, and, and critical points about the congregation are brought up or a negative word about you know any leadership, rabbi, rabbitzin, clergy, pastors, the business owner, if it's not immediately stopped, if you don't stop it immediately, you're empowering, you're enabling a Jezebel spirit. This is happening within the body. As we move forward, there's real concern, and we must be wary. When someone in the body speaks out against leadership, elders, team leaders, it shouldn't be tolerated, immediately brought to the forefront of attention to leadership. Stop that conversation in mid-stride when you hear it. We must rid ourselves of this Jezebel spirit. We must examine ourselves and repent of any Jezebel spirit and the enabling of the Jezebel spirit in us or in our midst to not bring ailment. Remember, Revelation 2, 21 and 22, I gave her time to turn from her sin, but she doesn't want to repent of her immorality. So I'm throwing her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I'm throwing into great trouble. Thlipsis in the Greek, which means oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress, anguish, or persecution, unless they turn from the sins connected with what she does. Do not let anyone break down leadership within your ministry, within your congregation, within your business or corporation. Intimidation, deception, gossip, divisiveness, and domination cannot and will not be allowed or tolerated. If you've engaged in this activity, you must repent. Scripture warns us to beware of anyone who refuses to submit to authority for they're operating under their own authority and they desire you to be there as well. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Therefore, my dear friends, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that can defile either body or spirit and strive to be completely holy out of reverence for God. Mishpocha, I know this has been a little bit longer one today, but this is critical information that now I pray has opened up your reticular activation system, your RAS system, and you see that this is happening. Again, it's not if, it's here. You have it. It's whether you're going to tolerate it or not, understand the signs of this infection and deal with it. And if you see it, please have the courage, the strength, the integrity to immediately do something about it. You can't just pray this away from you. It doesn't work. Father, right now in Yeshua's name, I'm just praying for the spirit of Jehu to be set upon every congregation leader, every ministry leader, every business owner who hears these words today, and that you would give them that anointing that you did Jehu to slay Jezebel, to destroy it completely, because it's only true biblical authority that causes Jezebel to flee. So I'm praying that you raise up leaders in these end days who are strong in you, who are a foundation of stone in the heavenly realm and will not tolerate or put up with, as your word says, as your son said in Revelation, this spirit of Jezebel. Father, may your shalom and peace reign in all that we do. In Yeshua's mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Shalom Mishpocha. God bless.